So hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining. I am uh, this, this guy. I'm so honored to be here with Jeff Booth. Uh, he is a visionary leader, lives at the forefront of a whole bunch of technologies, a whole bunch of startups, uh, has been through a whole bunch of financial crises, understands so much about the world in which we are in today. And I want to pick his mind. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called The Price of Tomorrow. And not only myself, but many people believe this is the book of the century. So if you don't have it, there'll be a link below. And please follow him on Twitter as well. Um, and he's been published, interviewed by pretty much everybody on earth. But I'm hoping we can pull a few, extract a few nuggets from this man's brilliant mind. So, Jeff, how are you today? Wow, uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me, James. But uh, I, I hope I live up to your introduction. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'm very honored to be with you because, uh, first of all, we're kind of aligned in many ways. I, I do this to give back and help educate people to not only preserve wealth, but also grow it and manage risk. And I think you spend a lot of your time your, your mission seems to be helping others, helping others wake up to what's going on in the world today. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair. It's fair to say. It's probably it's when when you have everything you need, what do what do you do? And 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 so when and as an entrepreneur, typically what an entrepreneur does is try to innovate to try to create value for other people. And so when I looked at this system level problem that we're talking about, um, and I. And I was seeing no fixes for a system level problem and not people, I had to do something. So, 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 but thank you. So speaking of your book, so for the audience, I know many people will, hopefully most have read it. Those that haven't, they have to order it and literally it will change the way you look at the world, but the price of tomorrow, could you summarize it for a 10 year old in two to three sentences? Sure. Um, technology makes everything cheaper. Um, we live in a world that is designed differently and must make prices go up. Um, and so you have two systems colliding against each other and the existing system that we're in and we measure everything by, we can't see the other system. And so it's, it, so it provides, and, and if I expand on that a little bit more, so uh, the, um, just about every problem in the world that we think is a problem is a derivative of that of that of that fight. Two systems fighting each other, and you have to ask yourself: um, Is technology going to keep on reducing prices? Is it going to give you more? And what would the corresponding system do to try to stop that? Yeah, I love that. This it, related to that part of what's driving a lot of this is the whole area of exponentiality, and that's really hard to wrap your head around unless you sit and nearly meditate and think about it. Now, so I know one of your favorite books is "Exponential Organizations" by Salim Ismail, but understanding exponentiality is not easy. I know people look at you know the iPhone generation is getting better and better. But one example that I heard from you in the past was kind of we are in the 34th fold. Kind of everybody out there, if you imagine a nap napkin or a piece of paper being folded four times, it becomes, you know, one centimeter thick. But doubling something 29 times beyond that, you know, increases it by a factor of about 540 million. I hope I got some of these numbers right. But can you help people understand this exponentiality and how it relates to money in today's world. Yeah. 
so so if we first start on and remember two different systems that operate exactly diametrically opposed so in the one system driven by technology that exponential that doubling and, and if you fold a piece of paper on itself 50 times it'll reach the sun but but in the early folds it feels like nothing it's a couple inches and when people and, and even people who are listening to this once they hear the parlor trick, they'll think it's a parlor trick and they'll yeah. go check on Google. Is that true? And they'll tell their friends and they will all think now I understand exponentiality and they don't. And I don't because it's, it's hard for our brains to wrap, uh, wrap around that type of growth yet. It's the world we live in and, and, and it's moving at that speed. So if, if it's moving at that speed and people are looking at artificial intelligence or self-driving cars and everything else. And they're looking backwards against the trend, looking forwards, it's doubling and it's doubling again. And, it's, and, and so if you think about how that connects to an inflationary monetary system or how the way we work and everything else, we are like very likely to miss it very likely to when, and why most people miss technology. Most people missed the internet. Most people mm. miss all the iPhone compared to BlackBerry. Most people miss it is because of the same thing. It's moving on this curve and they can't project the future at that rate. And, and, and so and entrepreneurs are typically really good at this and timing, uh, timing this. But so you have a, in one system, you have a system that is giving that massive productivity to the world. Our, our podcast right now, is, is essentially free to deliver this content to the world. Education is free as a byproduct. There's certification is not free, but the education. And this is coming into every industry as it's, it's driving as a base layer into industry and it's moving faster and faster and faster or exponential. But it's connected to a system that cannot allow that, uh, that abundance to transfer broadly to us. Because if you allow deflation in a in an inflationary system then the credit that the system is built on collapses and you have a deflationary spiral and what that deflationary spiral would wipe out all credit so you have this paradox on one hand technology should be really good for us and it should be saving our time everywhere and we should be getting more for less but the paradox is we're me measuring it from a system that requires a system that we live in to grow forever. So that means more jobs, higher, uh, higher pay, and, and a transfer of wealth from, from middle class and poor to the rich. And then, then the transfer keeps going and that transfer of, of power to government to make all decisions. That's kind of where we are in the system caused by two systems colliding each, each other. And, and, and while it's easy to look at a, a system level problem and blame people like the Fed or, or anybody else in the system, it, what, if you yourself missed, if you didn't hold Apple, or so if you didn't hold Apple from the beginning to where it is now, um, or Amazon from $5 to where it is now, or, or I'll, you're, you're making the same mistake and you didn't hold those because you misunderstood the what what's happening with technology underneath if you misunderstood it's easy we think we we can and everybody else can't so why would it be any different for a central banker um why would it be any different for anybody in, in an existing system that grew up an entire system and is measuring that system to misunderstand what's happening with technology it's normal 
Yeah, that's pretty, you, you, you've brought me down a different path that I was going to take this, but you, <laughs> it's, it's always such a way you, you say so many profound things that are really hard to wrap your head around, but they trigger more questions. So let's double click into that whole deflation story. So technology drives deflation, things get better, cheaper, faster, et cetera. Investing, whether it's money printing or people investing or whatever, chasing fewer goods, drives inflation. Now, Kathy, Woods, Kathy Wood invests in disruption, and she's a big believer in deflation. But it's not happening at the rate she thought it would. So can you help us figure out this conundrum? And if you look at like her tech stock choices, they've gotten hammered this year so far because she placed the bet on deflation and deflationary forces. And I don't know if she's admitted it yet, but she hasn't seen the level of inflation that we actually have and live through today, which I see continuing. Like her and I agree on everything except for this one point. This is, by the way, this is actually the problem that people get caught in and they're measuring a time period that is too short. Yeah. And so, so just ask yourself to, to simplify that question, to simplify that question, what would happen today if all governments around the world stopped easing? Yeah, the, the GDP would tank immediately. Growth, growth rates, growth of GDP would tank. And, and all credit would collapse. Yep. And it would so it would you would have a deflationary spiral that would be picking up speed, and ever and 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 it would it would accelerate until the kind of the the laws of nature fell to the actual pace to where what's actually happening today. So you have these two systems working against each other. One requires more and more stimulus on a greater curve, offsetting what's happening to deflationary pressure underneath. But we don't see it because we're measuring from the system that's that's offsetting that deflation. So you have to ask yourself: remove the the artificial stimulus, and what would the world look like? So that's what Kathy is say, saying. Now, double click on that. If you keep on artificially stimulating QE, you're actually robbing productivity from the market because you're transferring to to government. And government has to get bigger and bigger and bigger and you're removing the free market and it's subpar for for so there's less and less industry that can can move also because prices are being pushed up na uh, naturally businesses must even in a short term you don't see it even because supply chains get havoc and everything else but businesses must to compete remove labor faster so you have these two systems moving further and further apart and what Kathy is missing is, and, and so the more you, more you try to drive that inflationary environment, the more you're actually feeding the deflationary one. And then, in, and now the question is timing. The question is, is so today prices went up in the, in the stock market. Why do they go up in the stock market is because China's easing to be able to save Evergrande and everything else that would be the cascading collapse. Yeah. And wherever the easing is in the world, it has to find itself back into the monetary system, no matter, no matter where. And so what's, what's happening is a result of that, no matter where it is, we're measuring the system from the system. Mm. And, and you just to be able to clear that in your mind, what would happen? What would the, nat what would the market look like without manipulation? Exactly. So the, and so what Kathy is what Kathy is is essentially 
wrong or missed timing on is <clears throat> when this pushes up so high that it moves into deflationary environment anyways, or the only way to save the inflationary in in environment is to ca capture all control and government and keep going. Mm. So <laughs> again, you <laughs> prompt another question. So imagine if there was a deflationary world, would there be any incentive for people to spend? Because in a true deflationary world, uh, you know, what drives the economy of cash savings grow and purchasing power is free forever. Another conundrum. So I love that. I love that question because it starts to double click. Again, our brains don't hang on to concepts that, that we haven't seen before. It's new, it's novel. And what I'm saying is going to be really hard to hang on to because you don't have a, a pattern developed in the world that hasn't reinforced on that pattern. It's like, it's like you hear every conversation in a room, even if you're just talking to me, yep. but if somebody else does your name, you'll tune into their conversation. What this conversation is like is all the other conversations in the room until you've heard it enough times because, and, and, and so, so, so from that, will people purchase? Now ask yourself uh, 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 that, that question. Would you purchase a new iPhone even though that you know the, the, there's going to be a better one the next year? Of course you would. Would, would you purchase food if you know that there could be more food next year? Of course you would. Would you purchase a TV? Would you purchase a whole bunch of things? Purchasing might go down. But and it might go down because we'll buy the things we need more, but it, but it'll it, to, to believe that inflation is required for purchasing is essentially this. If you double click on that, the only reason I purchase is because somebody's stealing my money. It's insane. Productivity, productivity in the, in the world, the product, 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 productive economy doesn't require theft. And so if you steal my money faster, I'll, I'll purchase more. That may be true today in the world we live in from the system we live in today, because people, but, but even that is becoming less and less true because the purchasing isn't going into things. It's going into assets that are, that are destroying a productive economy to be able to capture, essentially save more purchasing power for later through assets. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. So let's, related to that, if you take the mathematical certainty, I've heard you saying these terms before, and when I look at the scenario of money, money printing, and talk about the Fed or central banks all over the world or China easing, um, there is that GDP tipping point. You probably heard about it before. I think it was from the, the World Bank, the 77% magic number. Basically, if a an economy borrows more than 77% of GDP, they can't escape. There's no, no longer any escape philosophy to get out of that because the servicing of that debt will eat away at the GDP. So what do you think about that? And is the only way, I think, I think I know the answer to the question is to just to keep on money printing and to keep the cost of debt servicing down, which means we live in a stage of perpetual low interest rates going forward from here with quantitative easing that's managed some way or another? Again, this is the, why these are hard to see is people don't think in systems. 
uh, they think in individual parts of a system and it's hard to see the whole system. So if you, if you think about, let, let's, let's go through the options today. So the options from central banking from the system globally. Door one, let the free market work. That would have a deflationary depression and, and it wouldn't be the deflation I'm talking about in, in the book where productivity is, is broadly transferred to society. It would be a debt deflation, like the Great Depression on steroids. But because the entire system is built on that debt, every bank would fail. There would be no food on shelves. There would be, it would be, and, and into that vacuum would rise dictators. And that's the 280 over 70, the 280 trillion of debt servicing the global 70 trillion of GDP. Exactly. Yep. So, so if, you let, if you let that credit, if you let that system, because it's based on credit, if you allow deflation, the credit explodes in value or mm -hmm. sorry, it explodes in, and you can never resurface the, that credit. So it, it gets wiped out. You have a credit crisis, but the system is credit and it keeps on unwinding. So people that think they have money in the bank, that's actually a credit in, 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 instrument, the banks close and it, um, and it keeps on unwinding. So door number one, unfortunately, but that's where we are. Door number two is ease forever, but easing forever by, by, by lowering, lowering interest rates, pretending I'm going to raise them one day, but having to lower them again, even what's happening today, right? Uh, the, the head fakes on, on raising them, but having to lower them perpetually forever because a credit must grow forever to protect an inflationary environment, which is exactly against the kind of where technology is going. By doing that, you transfer a whole bunch of wealth from the middle-class and poor to the rich. And, and, um, and, and because there's way more middle-class and poor number of people, they rise up against the rich or elect other people to be able to say it's the rich's fault to be able to, to do this. And you have, you have a turning of society because the many outweigh the few. Um, and what ends up happening is, is you change leaders in a system that must still manipulate money to protect the system to make it worse, but, it, but they create a whole bunch of uh, essentially us versus them through that system, which, which resets typically, if you look at the long arc in, of history through revolution and war, essentially I need get elected by turning one part, part of my population, the bigger part of my population against the smaller part of my population. And then to stay elected, I need to create a bigger enemy outside of my gates. And so that's what, that's what these resets look like throughout kind of the long arc of history but the problem is we've never had that reset that type of reset with the weapons of destruction and where technology is going today so and that global conflict that would arise from that type of is a pretty scary thing to think of and worse we don't see it coming <laughs> we're um, i've said this often on a couple other podcasts but it's it's really important when you think about Hitler rising into power because of the same hyperinflationary environment that was created and who he turned the population against, you, you can see kind of the, what happens throughout, uh, throughout, throughout this cycle. But worse than that is we all believe 
our minds don't change and 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 we're, and we're we, we're we're perfect we understand the truth perfectly but nobody else does what ends up happening through that manipulation is people are turned against other people and if you ask yourself forget about hitler how did the entire how did an entire population not stand up and do something about uh, about that when you created atrocities to other people and then they they either helped or stayed silent and that is unfortunately human nature in a system that requires manipulation we get manipulated and so we will some of these things have really profound implications for where the world's going because when you have corruption and money as a result of having corruption and money you must have corruption everywhere in society so those are door number one door number two and so what you have today is is you have governments trying to run financial repression and and inflate so your real dollars are going uh, going down in, in, in value and they're trying to hold you into a system to to run that financial uh, uh, repression in in the i think in the 40s it worked for the u.s but the u.s was a superpower at that time and there wasn't another challenger Today, when it, that's, ha that's happening with China and the bank and everything else and the type of global conflicts that are going to rise from that, it's not possible. Plus, you have Bitcoin that is an escape valve from that, from that financial repression. So it's really hard to lock people into, into a currency. It, why people don't see it is because they measure everything in the currency they're denominated in. Exactly. They buy more houses, they buy more everything else. And, and some people are getting so rich by that ex experiment. I leverage up, I buy more assets. that They don't see the next wave of this when revolution comes to take that asset back or... Yeah politicians take it back and redistribute it and, or, so that, or, or they have no comprehension of a 15 percent hurdle rate for example exactly yeah. so, so they think they're getting richer when in fact they're getting poorer and create and creating the divide of society and they and, and a lot of those people think it's because of their brilliance that they're getting richer in in real estate when and as rents are going up and, and you're pushing pain on more of society and then those people in society go and elect people that say, I got an idea. Let's do UBI. <laughs> right. And I'm going to push up prices higher and transfer more wealth because where does the money come from in the first place? And so I'm going to pick your pocket more to give you, uh, give you a working wage to push prices uh, up higher. So that's where we are in this system. And so there's only really those two doors except yeah. say, and we can go into Bitcoin, but the Bitcoin is is the first time in history that we've had a third door. So, so speaking of door number one and door number two, so when they talk about threatening tapering or raising interest rates, they're just playing with our heads, or will they reduce by twelve and a half percent for a couple of months, and then wait for an ex external event and then increase quantitative easing again? Yeah. So, so, so again. When we get to these things, and 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 you're in all of this, the simplest thing to say, if you just don't, is all of this creates more instability in a system, and more instability in us because we're in that system. As we look around to try to figure out what's going on, your podcast is probably so valuable because you interview people on this, 
And so do other, and people are looking for what's going on and it's creating more and more instability. And people are, uh, you, you've probably seen me say this, which snowflake causes the avalanche. Yeah. Um, and people are, people are trying to measure which snowflake and, and they're and they're grasping at this and this and they're all over the place the simplest thing to say is the system demands more easing that will create more instability in a system and i don't know at what time brings the whole thing down it could be anything there's more and more snowflakes gathering all the time so you touched on ubi i didn't expect to go down the ubi path but do you believe it's a foregone conclusion I think if you just simply say there's more of the met, more people being left out than 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 today that are that are in um, the, the, the the have-nots outnumber the haves, and and the Fed will be merged with Treasury mm. over over time as as rules change because because the many will elect people will that will will. It will create a populist move, movement that's yep. highly likely all over the world. And I, and I noticed a very funny stat just yesterday that the percentage of GDP of external debt, total debt of USA and Canada is exactly the same percentage. Did you ever notice that? 141%? I, 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 I didn't notice that, no. <laughs> it's 141%. <laughs> is it rigged? Or Canada and the US in cahoots right now? I well, just thought well, that you, If you think about it, is Canada is a is raw materials uh, base. Most of the exports are raw materials. We don't, um, and you print money, then the raw materials go up in relation. Yeah. It's like I ran, I ran a scenario. I looked at some uh, treasury numbers. I looked at the increase of household wealth but since basically January 2020 and today, and you looked at the amount of quantitative easing, the 40% increase of the money supply, and that directly translated to increase in household wealth. The problem is only the top nine, the top one percent get it. It right. doesn't. It doesn't trickle down, and that's that's where we're stuck. So let's because um, if you think about that too, and and so inflation, the other side of the coin for inflation is wage deflation. Yeah. Right, so it's 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 a, so if you have savings or you're working for wages, your real income is going down, and so no wonder it. And the more assets you have, the more of the transfer. Hmm. Exactly. Well, you touched on China as well, and China, as you know, has more U.S. T bills, Treasury bills, than the U.S. balance sheet. So, and China has started selling T bills to other nations. Is there a concern China will become the dominant currency, especially with the digital one coming forward? What do you envision? Um, so, so I think it was in 2016, China realized that uh, that the U.S. wasn't going to pay their back their loans. Essentially, you had vendor financing. Um, as 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 you, and it was a decent trade the us uh, to keep interest rates low china bought us currency bonds um, because if, if interest rates went up at the t- uh, at the time then uh, then us would have collapsed and 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 china would have subsequently collapsed too purchasing nation exporting nature, na- nation and so but about 2016 i think maybe 2015 china stopped buying the the uh, the, the, uh, the t bills and said wait, this is going to happen. Why don't we buy assets instead? Rare earth mines, all of the, all of the critical assets for the infrastructure build to the other side. 
where do we get where, where do we get political gain Dalton Road and um, and everything else and where do we take this money and put it somewhere else so we have we it can't be destroyed in value but more so we have more control over the next phase of where this is going which when I said creates tensions war machine everything else because that's what that's effectively what it does um, and and so so essentially us doing that faster printing more money faster drives this divide faster and faster and faster now i do not believe that the world is going to switch to replace the us currency with the digital one um, but i do believe certain people will yeah. and that'll and that'll create these major polarized states that turn into world war exactly it's so funny i i did a did this in a video probably two or three months ago i talked about world war three could be potentially i don't want to alarm anybody out there but could be potentially triggered by kind of a quasi-currency war those that force certain nation states around the world to use and embrace certain currencies will drive that war for example the activities of china and africa right now building railroads and mines etc they are clearly the continent of africa will clearly go will be forced to go down the digital one route and then the us uh, reserve currency but then there'll be a third currency i hate to use the term currency for bitcoin but that will be bitcoin so there'll be us dollar one and Bitcoin. And those three will fight it out amongst themselves. Do you envision such a <laughs> weird future? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, to, to facilitate global trade, you have to have a, a measuring unit that isn't all over the map, yep. that is being manipulated. But today we have measuring units as being manipulated everywhere. Or, or here's, um, if you look back through the long arc of history, um, people say that a currency failure happens every call it 80 years or 80 to 100 years today. And it used to happen over a much longer time period. Like, I mean, 2000 years ago, it took a lot, a lot longer. And why might that be? And, and I have a thesis on this. And it is the same thesis that's in my book. Technology has always been moving. It's always been a force for deflation. But it happened very slowly, very slowly throughout time. And it's speeding up faster and faster. So the great turning that people talk about every 80 years, it's not necessarily every 80 years. Um, it happens as a result of our personal need to believe we can get something, uh, we can get more than we can actually get. So we'll vote people in. If somebody said, listen, I only have this much money to be able to pay for this, uh, this service, as we would never vote that person in. We'll vote for somebody in that will lie to us, hide that lie in, in, to inflation and build a system on inflation on top of that, that the lie must get bigger and bigger tied to greater expanding services that do everything what we're talking. And then it gets into a long debt cycle that has to reset. Uh, um, so that if you look at through the historic lens, I think that's actually what's happening. And technology has been moving faster and faster all the time, even going back to Roman days, right? And technology has been moving faster and faster. So you get these events, you get these clearing things. And now you, if now you wind that back to 1971, the US dollar probably would have failed in 1971 had, had they not tied energy to oil, yep. sorry, to US dollar to oil, which was energy. And, and 
and because of the war machine to be able to Saudi Arabia and the, and the, and, and the pact, if you were outside of that oil for US dollar system, you were cut off from trade for the world. Look at what it looks like in Venezuela. Look at what it looks like in, in any country who's tried to get off that system. Look, look what happened in Iraq when Iraq talked about pricing oil in Europe. And so, so when you think about that system today, it extended US dollar dominance for another, call it 50 years, as it, as it moved around and it tied US dollars to energy. In, in price and oil. Well, well now China is a bigger player and can muscle muscle in and price and, and try to price oil and raw, raw materials and, and one, or they're trying, try. as well as the energy transition to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is pricing energy and is pricing the energy transition. And it's a more effective transition because it actually doesn't require the war machine to price it. So, 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 Effectively, what it says is all currencies break down at some point from the exact same thing that creates the, uh, that creates this. Be and why? Because the human loop in currencies, we want to believe that we can get something. We want to believe, we don't want to believe in inflation, but we, it's easy to believe in inflation and it allows, uh, it, it allows governments to spend more than they can, which has to accelerate. Mm. Fantastic. Okay, let's play a game. So I built out this uh, model actually in preparation for a breed love interview. So it looks like looks at the money printing rate, money printing acceleration rate, and then it calculates a whole bunch of stuff like purchasing power, debasement, value of a million dollars, value of a home, and all that type of stuff, and assumes Bitcoin appreciates at thirty three percent per year. What do you think is the sustainable? Quantitative easing rate we will see going forward. We've seen 25% per year, 40% over 20 months, et cetera, et cetera. But what do you think the bare minimum is? And do you believe in the theory that it has to accelerate as we get bigger and bigger in terms of debt? Absolutely. absolutely. So, so, so from that, and I think there's a paragraph in my book that talks about this. If one system is moving down at an exponential rate, the, the technology is driving kind of what should be happening, then the system has to move up at an exponential rate. So if you look at money pinching through that lens, and even the stats that I pulled out in my book, there, there was 185 trillion of debt in the preceding 20 years to uh, increase global GDP by 46 trillion. You know that that number has to to keep on increasing global GDP has to it has to be exponential in function. And so, what are we seeing today? Remember, my yeah. book was written before all of this happened, and that was a four X at that <laughs> exactly. time. Exactly. So, what is it now? Yeah. So, what is it now? And it's hard to even it's hard to even fathom. Yeah. And and so, at some point, winter is coming because it's mm. completely unstable. And and how the only way the system could continue this way. The only way is, and remember, because artificial intelligence and eventually, effectively, one day artificial general intelligence, lower and lower costs on, on robotics, the merging of those two things and everything else and the labor take, taking away of that. If you don't allow the natural force of technology to through a currency that allows for deflation to move broadly to society, you must keep concentrating it in few hands. 
And if you just pull on that thread, what you have to think about is who is the person, pick a person's face that you want as supreme leader of the world or, or two or three of them fighting with each other for all, all, all control, because that's actually where, it, if this system was, was able to, to essentially distort all pricing by continue to mip, manipulate forever, that's where it go. That's where it goes. It concentrates more and more wealth in very few hands, and and it looks like for everybody else like modern day slavery. And we're, and we're seeing that with the Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk's of the world and Google people. Like you see the huge concentration of wealth tied directly to technology. But then what happens from there is because there's few, and here's the risk that they don't see. Um, when there's very few of them that have the money then it won't it, it it will likely be a political class or dictate that comes in and take and, and takes that and takes and, and takes the business away takes everything look look at what's happening to china right now and the technology companies yep dd um, etc yeah yeah you you have you have to take back that power and concentrate it in government you 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 must and 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 the will of the people will give you that power to be able to do it, change constitution, change all laws, change, give you more power to take away their individual rights and freedoms. And so are, that, are, are yeah, we seeing a preview of the dystopian world right now playing out in China? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> digital one or central bank digital currency it, um, it, it is money disguised as surveillance. Yep. Or surveillance disguised as money. Money. It's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah it, and so it's it, it it is a full control state where you better tow the line. And do you remember that line that you tow that you might opt for in the beginning can change unilaterally. You could get shut out of it unilaterally. Look uh, at what's uh, happened to Hong Kong. And it's funny. I I see that with the CBDC. It's like it's almost like a, a nuclear arms race that I lived partway through when I was a young man. And I see the sovereign states rushing to deploy. And I don't care if it's Israel or someplace in Africa or China or you name it, the Bank of England, everybody wants their CBDC. Now, the question is, two questions. One, will that accelerate the rush to become your own sovereign bank yourself through Bitcoin? Or... Will people just be sucked into it? And then it'll be that dystopian future that you see a la China. Um, my optimistic case and what uh, and what, what everybody in Bitcoin must think about uh, as well. These, these moves are more powerful than we give them credit. And so, so, and it's because a whole bunch of people are locked into fear. And they can't. And and once you're locked into fear, and you believe it's somebody else's fault, you'll reinforce that that that, that narrative, and you'll be, and and you'll move into hate, just first kind of despair, hate, and everything else, and you will be turned, kind of into a pawn of the state. And it happens fairly easily. Um, I wish it didn't, but it. Um, so so that system is doing that right now. I think about this. If everybody around the world that was marching against COVID, which is a natural response to what's kind of that has to happen and is a derivative of a lot of this, forget COVID, I'm not being a conspiracy theorist with COVID, but the system must have more control. If everybody that was rising against COVID or global warming or anything else um, uh, rose up and bought Bitcoin in, instead, 
they would have their individual rights and freedoms back and, and we would be moving to a different system. Instead, they're standing up and giving more power to the system because a lot of people in that system will say, we need to print more money to be able to hire police states to protect us from those people. So if everybody, if everybody was sovereign, they wouldn't protest. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so, so, so what they would realize is they actually have more power in the system change than they actually realize because, because it defunds the government. The government doesn't have as much power. And, and, and that, that power comes from, the, from printing of money to be able to take the power from you. It comes from the, uh, from the exact very same, the same thing. So, so, but, but our, in, but if you think about human bias and human and, and, and what we think in systems, how many people are actually investigating what we're talking about at the root cause versus talking about all the symptoms and getting wound up against the system. Very few people are talking about it from a system. Um, and so door three, my, my hope on door three, my, and what I do, what, why I'm happy to do these things because it's so important for our kids' future and everything else is door three is every single thing we live in today, including this phone, right? Including, um, and, and, including the technology we're using today was an idea in somebody's mind first, everything, including the system we live in. And if we believe that a system must be based on a fraud and inflation, if the greater majority believes that and reinforces that system, that's the system we live in. But if people walk to the other side, and that was what Bitcoin uh, provides, is actually a different idea. It's a different system. And it's a system that I believe is based on truth, hope, and everything else. And, and as people start to imagine a new idea and what a future world could look like on, um, on that idea, we change. And so what's actually happening uh, right now, and, and maybe you from my book and a whole bunch of other people and other people coming in, this idea, if you just measure the number of people growing in Bitcoin and the network effect on Bitcoin, this and the number of people now building to it and the technology and, and what people don't see kind of that's coming, all of the innovation that's still to come is people walking across the bridge, a new, new idea emerging and people grabbing onto that idea not because there's a marketing department behind Bitcoin, because the idea is so important. It's so important to transfer from one system to another system, and the existing system can't allow it, can't allow the tra transfer. So hopefully, as one system flails and makes, uh, makes it work, more people will start walking, acro walking across the bridge to Bitcoin. And as they're walking across the bridge, they're actually paving the bridge for society to walk, uh, to, to, to walk across the other side. You need a transmission mechanism from one side to the other because the existing system can't give it. So I try to stay out of the rhetoric about, about it's a transmission mechanism and it's a transmission mechanism like most technology is. Yeah, interesting. Before we leave CBDCs and then I'm gonna talk about paving the bridge because I like that analogy. I had an interview last week with Raul Paul, yep. and one of the things that stunned me from that interview was he saw a lot of benefits from CBDCs for society by personalizing monetary policy, and he saw that as a big plus. Can you tell me how you believe CBDCs are dangerous slash bad for society? 
So under the existing system, under the existing inflationary monetary system, CBDCs will be terrible for society because it must, it must distort money further and further take individual rights and freedoms from uh, control. And it must, and it'll say, what, what they'll say is we need to do it to protect your property rights from that evil China coming after you. That's what, that's what will likely happen in, the, in a bunch of, so, so again, from the system, there is no fix from the system without more distortion, more manipulation, more power control to the few from the many, and eventually kind of destroying what we know. There is no capital. When you distort money at this level, there is no free market. So we, I grew up in something that I believed was a free market, an entrepreneurial talent, trying to deliver more value to other people. And you're only successful if you deliver more value. That is largely gone today. It's still, I have a hard time because I'm an entrepreneur and that's what I do to say it's completely gone. There is ways to, to, to create value for other people and do very well. But largely we live in a system of corruption that is greater and greater corruption that makes that thing harder. Um, so uh, I, I see that. Let me let me pause on that for a second. I saw a very surprising activity from the president of the United States. Not saying anything bad or getting political here, but he spoke publicly about how great General Motors as a car company is. Now this is no ding against General Motors, but he completely ignored the elephant in the room, which is Tesla. Right. And I just thought that was so strange. And obviously, that is could be construed as corruption because he must hate Elon Musk for some reason or the fact that he, you know, what's the term, panders to the union workers yeah. and Tesla's not union. But would you construe that as kind of corruption within government? So I have a hard time today, and this is where they, uh, this, um, I, I'm not waffling on this conversation, but, but or on this question. But I have a hard time because the line is so blurred with who actually knows and who doesn't. But but both right and left hand side of politics, what what party would say we're going to stop printing? We're going to advise the uh, Fed to stop printing, and and no party would because the, the what I said the entire deflationary spiral would take place. Everything would collapse. I'm not even encouraging them to do that from the existing system. But, but no party would say that. In other words, every single thing at the root is, is based on, and we're all questioning, is it a free market union? All these other things. And the root is rotten. And everybody, so when you have corruption and money, and money is just an arbit arbitrary concept for our time, we don't want more money. We want what, what we think more money will buy us, more time. Mm -hmm. So when you destroy money, you destroy our time. And, and so what would society look like under those conditions? And what would society look like if the corruption of money had to grow at an exponential pace? You can see every, everything that has to happen out of that simple construct in a lens. So then you ask about, okay, what, what, what would Biden do on top of that? What would Trump do on top of that? It's just nonsense. It's just completely nonsense because, uh, because if they know, what would they say? <laughs> And if they don't, if they don't know, um, then, then, then again, it's such a deep problem, but people are focused on the, on the symptoms.
Okay, excellent. Before we jump into Bitcoin, one final thing. Um, I think I heard you touch on it before, and I'm fascinated by it. Again, uh, the president of the United States said the infrastructure bill would be a deflationary force, which is completely ridiculous because of how much it costs. Uh, but we'll leave that. But the connection between spending, quantitative easing, and climate change, and the fact that we're talking about innovation and different systems. How do you mash all that together in your head? You said once, I think, that quantitative easing causes climate change, doesn't cure it. Yeah, so inflation is climate change. Um, and, and that's a hard concept to grasp, yeah. again, living into a system that requires us to grow forever. Just, so simply, on a finite planet, can you grow forever? by manipulating money and what would it look like? So you would cause constraints everywhere, right? You'd cause exactly what we're saying and you would cause people to need more jobs, more and more and more and more and buy more and more things forever, all because you're manipulating money to be able to keep up with the, riot, with the prices that are being manipulated higher. So more and more people would be forced into this loop to keep mm -hmm. prices rising forever because otherwise the credit-based system collapses. That's the system we're in. Um, I am on a whole bunch of technology boards and I can tell you for sure, these technology companies in food, agriculture, everything else, a bunch of different technology companies that give us an abundance in food and agriculture that drastically reduce prices, give you more for less. Now, some of those aren't visible to everybody in the world yet they're not but they're coming and they get better and better and better through technology automation ai and, but they've already cracked the code one of them has already cracked the code it's much cheaper to localize lettuce produce it locally without a supply chain than it is to import lettuce from california or, or um, something like that already cracked it now ai automation everything that, that, that comes makes that cheaper and cheaper and cheaper more quality, less, uh, less cost on, a, on an exponential scale. That's already happening. That is deflationary. So it gives you more for less and it solves a whole bunch of your needs by doing so. Um, other companies, very similar. That, and I can't, and I look around all of this stuff and I think every one of them, if they're successful, creates abundance, creates more for less. Every single one of them. If they're not successful, they die. If they're successful, by, by measurement of you, me, do I get more value here? Did the price come down and I get more quality? I'll buy it. And the business explodes because of that. Same reason you use Google. Same reason we use this uh, Zoom right now. Do I get more value? And it's all around and it's coming really fast. What would the existing system do to offset that when prices have to rise? Because, because those prices, the natural market wants to bring them down, give you more for less. And the system that we live in, because we want our price, we, we, we want lower grocery prices, but we want our house price to always rise. Yep. <laughs> and it's the incongruence of thought between those two different systems that that existing system must essentially steal that productivity by printing money and transferring that money to uh, to government or to or or to big business or to any actually or to technology companies that use it to scale faster and fa faster and faster, but they must do it, keep 
keep doing it faster and faster. And as the prices rise up, more companies need to be technology companies and remove labor faster. So, so when, you, when you think about it from a system problem, how do you solve climate change through a system that requires growth forever and will manipulate price, prices to get, get there? You can't. It's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's impossible, but people don't see it through a system lens. They yeah. see it as, as, uh, as one part of a system. I remember uh, you did a presentation, I think it was, it may have been in Europe or somewhere, but there was a slide and it was a goldfish in a bowl. <laughs> That's the system. And I love that because I could relate to that. And you can imagine one system with one goldfish in a bowl and maybe another goldfish in another bowl, two separate systems that have no idea what's going on in each other's systems. So I think that's where you're coming from. Okay, let's switch gears. Let's talk. Um, you have this unique ability to connect dots from money to Bitcoin. This is what everyone's here all about Bitcoin. So how many dots are there for us to get to hyper-Bitcoinization? Um, we talked about some of them already, that bridge. Yeah. And, and I personally think it's, it, it's in, in Bitcoin, it's more of an, an emergent phenomenon. In other words, the, the, our minds believing in something and then creating that to, to happen. And, and as that's happening, more and more minds starting to wake up out of the fog, move out of the goldfish bowl and realize, oh, I didn't understand this. And so how many dots there are to connect to, to, uh, to Bitcoin? You could come in from... The technology road. You could come in from game theory. You could come in from, from uh, it's the only thing to solve climate change. It's the only way to solve climate change. You could so come in from every different path. But what's happening? And I use you as an example. The 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 really really smart people that that are taking this message and they're moving it out, and more and more people connecting. And and you you know the kind of the saying in Bitcoin, don't trust, verify. Yeah. And, and I have not yet seen anything in Bitcoin that, 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 that is a counter to, uh, that would give me reason for pause in, 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 in Bitcoin. So there's no FUD, there's no anything else that doesn't actually make my conviction stronger in Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that to, to say, maybe there's not something else that I haven't seen today, or I'm not open to possibilities. Um, of, of something else solving this bridge to the other side, but there's nothing I've seen um, that, uh, today that solves this. And so most of the conversations. So when you when you're verifying that at this level, and you have really curious, driven people to be able to hold that truth out, um, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And nothing that attacks it can it makes it stronger. So China removing mining capacity. And three months later, you have more hash rate on, on Bitcoin network is evidence for what happens uh, for what happens with, with this network. And it's, in, it's indestructible. So, so I'll throw you a curveball actually on that one. So if you look at the top 1% of Earth, they own 90% of wealth. So why? What incentive is there for them to put their money into Bitcoin and line the pockets of the early Bitcoin adopters? It seems like an undeserved wealth transfer. So I love that question um, because you have to solve it from a different, uh, a different standpoint. Um, and the question is not what, it, what do we care about those people? Because those people are enriched 
from a system that it, that it is it has negative externalities to the rest of the world. So it's not those people. What it is is what what you think about and think about this from a monopoly. How does a monopoly protect their monopoly? And, and what happens when technology changes the rules? So let's just say the money monopoly. Money today costs a whole bunch of dollars to transfer. It's high network fees, everything else built on debt and corresponding banks and everything else. And it's huge embedded cost into that system. And it requires this inflationary system to be able to continue to go. And everybody in that system, the closer you are to the money printer, the more wealth you gain, the further away, the more, the, the, the more that you lose. Just a, um, and now you have a technology that's lowered the access costs and open to everybody. What was the, have there been other technologies that have lowered access costs yes. for the world? And, and what do they look like today? So let's look at what Google did versus television networks. You used to, if you had a monopoly in a business, you used to be able to crowd out new businesses because they couldn't afford to advertise on television and everybody was on everybody was watching the same channels at night so you had an effective monopoly by control of the airwaves by pricing other people out very hard as a new business to get into that when google came into town i can tell you because i i built to google really early it was free traffic and the and, and the lowered cost bear and did the giant advertisers advertise on Google? Nope, <laughs> they didn't build to it. And so companies like mine exploded in growth because new the cost of communication, cost of advertising fell to the floor, raced in to be able to create a new technology, and the world looked different as a result. And the laggers to that system were the were the big monopoly powers, and a lot of those laggards aren't even in business today. Yep. Right. So you created the, and, and what happened? Technology lowered the access cost. Technology opened the doors. It, it created a level field, uh, uh, field and it changed the rules for the monopoly. And the monopoly couldn't deal with the change because they're, they're, they, were in, they were protected by the rules of the old system. Now, that's a, the only difference right now is that's happening to money, which is a meta level across everything else. So creative destruction is coming for money. So it's putting it another way, if you snooze, you lose. It's like the game theory of Bitcoin. You got to get in early. And, 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 and you can get in any time, but, but, but the, the corresponding benefit will be less late, yeah. uh, later on. And, and so same thing on who were the first people on Amazon shelves? They weren't the people that access, had access to Walmart shelves. They were, and, and because there's way more people that are underprivileged from an existing monopoly, and especially today as, as the monopoly of power and, and money gets concentrated more and more, there's way more people that are underprivileged from that. Hmm. And, that access, and that access moves. And what that access does from the bottom up is drives innovation and more and more innovation across the new network creates the network effect that brings more and more people on essentially the road across to the other side. The side. Yep. So now zooming back, uh, zooming back out, it's no surprise that a country like El Salvador would go first because the, their negative externality of what their economy looks like is our positive externality. Mm. The Western Union is taking forty percent, et cetera. So not not just that, but we but we have a finance system, and 
Greg Foss talks about this, you can get a, a credit card rate as a business for 2%. You can't do that in, in El Salvador, that credit card rate as a business might be eight or 10%. And so the walls that, that gate to control the monopoly are so much higher. Now you take Bitcoin and it's 0.0002% or something like that is essentially a fraction of a cost. Why wouldn't every business in, um, embed it? And exactly. You reduce, and so as those businesses embed it, and they build it, they build that network effect, and it gets stronger and stronger. And other countries look over and say, "Wow, what's going on in that economy?" Mm-hmm. And they start in, embedding it, and it's too. So that, but that's just the nature of technology, and it's very hard to see from the monopoly or the privilege. We in the Western world, um, we billionaires or, or or multimillionaires, are the privileged few. So it's very hard for those for those people to, to see what we're talking about, but that's what technology does all the time. So do you, do you see a potential scenario where Bitcoin could go to zero? And what would the probability be at this point in time? And I know the Lindy effect has the network effect, et cetera, has made it better and stronger, more resilient. But is there anything that you believe could take it to zero? I don't think so. Yeah, I, 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 I think... I'm getting more convinced that it's inevitable that it keeps on taking kind of its moves across and and consumes every asset class over time and it becomes but but it's uh but no i don't think anything takes it to zero so i remember 2020 started with a bang in terms of like treasury adoption and then 2021 has kind of gone out with a whimper any idea as to why like you got your squares and your Teslas and your MicroStrategies all adopting it as a treasury asset and 30, 40 other companies, but nobody else since then. Um, I think what you'd find, I think what you're going to find in behind the scenes is there are a lot of people, a lot of boards. I'm on a bunch of boards. I can tell you this is a very regular conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I can imagine this, this is happening um, it, 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 at a rate, we might not see it because we're measuring in too slow in, in too uh, high a time frame. We want it to happen right now, but I bet you going into 2021, nobody would have expected El Salvador to adopt it as a as a currency. Right? Seems and like I, time. Yeah, seems like time frames are a theme. We need to, as humans, we need to wrap our heads around Lindy and time frames much better to be able to understand this exponential exponentiality of this world we live in today. Yeah, if you look at the on-chain metrics and you look at the rate of growth, of nothing's changed. Nothing yeah. has changed. It's it's accelerating. It's uh, um, and if you and 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 so is the technology that's coming into it. I've been asked a number of times, one specifically uh, um, uh, about a hundred million dollar fund to only invest in it. Would I would join as an advisor to only invest in Bitcoin related companies and Lightning related companies? And there's entire network. There's entire ecosystem that's that's building there. So you can imagine what's hap- happening. And, and, and that, that's one of many. And capital is rushing in because they see what's hap- happening. I've been watching the capital rushing in and it's mind-blowing, the billions and billions. So that triggers another question in my mind. Do you think layer twos on Bitcoin have a shot of competing with the likes of Ethereum, Solana, Avalanche, et cetera? 100%. One, like, the, the, that's, in, in, in fact, I can't see... I got to be careful here. I'm totally okay <laughs> in, a, in a free market of people yeah. investing in whatever they uh, they want in um, in Ethereum and other other altcoins. 
I can't see the long-term rationale for Ethereum at all. I can't see the long-term rationale for many of these. If, if people want to do day trade and see um, the tons of risk in that too. Um, but, but I think Bitcoin and the corresponding ecosystem um, is going to take it all. Hmm. One of the things that I deal with, and I come from kind of hedging futures derivatives background, uh, do you believe that there is a potential for a government or a series of entities like the JP Morgans of the world to try and suppress Bitcoin price? Over time, over long periods of time, is it a like legitimate market? <laughs> like, like through a futures yeah. market? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yes. Um, the simply yes, but but what would happen is by doing so, people would see that they're doing that, mm. and I think it would cause a, cra a crazy it, for a time, and then it would break because of because of what would happen. Mm. Do you ever think there could come a time where you know, putting futures, leverage, manipulation, whale manipulation aside, that Bitcoin pricing and price discovery could ever go back to basic supply and demand? That's what I think it will happen. That's okay. what I hope. That's what I hope will happen. So, so there's a question a lot of people ask about. Okay, so what if we transferred the wealth from these people to these people? What would the society look like? So, if you built a credit-based system on top of Bitcoin that looked a lot like the credit-based system today. Yes, it would still, if you'd over leveraged, it would be wiped out to zero and there'd be no, but, but you can imagine it, it, it is a simple explanation. Think about just in mining. What if, what if one company could concentrate because of the massive leverage and they could essentially buy all the ASICs and, mm -hmm. and they could concentrate the network, right? As a result of that, that massive leverage. So I, and today we're going to have a whole bunch of experiments and people trying leverage and everything else and comparing one system that requires massive leverage and thinking the system will look the same on the other side. It won't. It's going to, if eventually people are going to pay in Bitcoin and you want that to happen because it's actually the only way to transfer what I'm talking about with the technology to be able to create broad-based abundance. It's only the only way to allow the free market to work. Yeah. One of the things that keeps me awake at night is people that are dependent on the fiat system. I know a lot of people in their late 50s, 60s, they have maybe $300,000 in the bank and that's, that's their future. What happens or are you concerned about people that don't have any Bitcoin? What happens to those people? I'm very, I'm very concerned. Yeah. I, I, um, <laughs> in, in my, uh, one of my, uh, CEO groups. Um, somebody said you know, three years ago, he came to us and he implored us to buy it. it Jeff never implored us. Right? The, uh, I'm begging people, you must get off zero. Get off zero, yeah. Get off zero. Learn, learn, learn about it. Now, don't do it because I said so, but you, sh you should question your own bias mm -hmm. and you should get off zero. Um, and, 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 and look into this more getting off zero will at least put a foot in the door and then you can make some decisions and everything else on how much you want to allocate and everything else. But it's a lifeboat in the coming storm yeah. and it's a much needed lifeboat in the coming storm. It's really important for people's family, everything else, more important if they re if people really understand it, 
they'll they'll understand how they're walking across the bridge to actually take humanity to the other side. Yeah. And speaking of uh, that and that lifeboat, um, I've been watching the Case-Shiller Index now for nearly 30 years. I don't know if there's equivalent in Canada. That is north of 24% this year so far. Actually, north of 24%, I think, in the last 10 months. It's ridiculous, the actual real estate inflation. But what would you advise somebody that had neither Bitcoin or a house? How should they allocate? Should they have their castle first? or Bitcoin first and wait for the castle later or vice versa? I think today it's Bitcoin first. Yeah. I, th- I, I think it's the amount of leverage. It, when, when I think about um, specifically housing, um, now that's worked for a long time and it's worked because of the inflationary policy. Like nobody asks, it, it, people that believe housing goes up forever, right? Think of what could happen to your mindset believing housing goes up forever in an environment that over the last 20 years, it took $185 trillion of the stimulus to make housing prices go up forever. Mm. And, and what might that look like if the stimulus has changed or what, or, or what might that look like if the stimulus keeps coming, but what would society look like? Now, in that environment, what ends up happening is, is people take a small down payment of their cash and they take a small down payment because they're so worried that their cash is losing value. Houses prices are rising faster than their houses, which is a design of the system. Yeah. And so they're scared. So, and they need a house. So they, so they, they take a small and they lever everything to that house. Um, and now they're trapped. Now they're have bills that they can't. And now they're trapped in a system that if there is any waiver, they are, they are trapped. Their job has to be uh, supported to the two jobs probably to be able to pay, uh, pay for that and everything else. And so, but because this is a, a different system and it's early in that new system, it's early in the network effect, just ask yourself, where was the internet in 1997? That's where we are in Bitcoin. Most yep. of the, m- most of this is coming. So I would start, I would start in Bitcoin because I think Bitcoin will, will outperform every single asset class. Effectively, if you measure your world in Bitcoin, prices will fall forever. So if it, when you take your bridge analogy and we're paving the bridge for the world, we are two and a half percent across that bridge right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it could get, and, and at some point it's going to accelerate. All right, but, uh, but 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 actually, it's it, that's probably the most important. If you kind of use a business analogy, this same thing happened with Amazon in 1999. Remember the kind of the dot com bubbles and everything else. But Amazon was was creating this bridge to the a, a different model that was way more efficient. And everybody locked out of the system joined Amazon system, and it got better and better and better, and they added more products. But now imagine point in time 1999 instead of uh, imagine amazon only sells books or books and toys and a couple other things and every retail store collapses and you can't buy groceries Mm. that's the problem with what people are making a mistake on on bitcoin today they're they're thinking well how could this be used as a currency what would happen because they're they're thinking of a total collapse of one system and a system that is not yet ready for the transition yeah but what, what, what is happening is that system is getting more and more bulletproof. More and more people are using it. It's gaining adoption 
and more businesses are integrating it. And the UX is getting easier and wallet adoption. And now you can have wallets on your phone with multi-sig. And, and so, so it, the entire ecosystem, every new person in that ecosystem, technology building that ecosystem is, ma is making it easier to use, which is the transition from one system to another. And so going early on that transition is important, but, uh, but, that's, the, uh, but that's what's happening. Beautiful. I know we've run really long. We're at the final part of the interview. <laughs> okay, awesome. I call this the quick fire round, and I hope you got time for six very fast questions. Just you, you the, like, the like yes or no. So would you deem Bitcoin a zero coupon bond? Um, no. No. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, I always felt that crypto regulation is bullish for the market space. Your thoughts? Uh, it is bullish for the marketplace. Okay, excellent. Gary Gensler said there is Bitcoin and there is everything else. Do you agree? I think I know the answer to this one. I agree. <laughs> if there is one thing that keeps you up at night regarding crypto, what is it? Um, human nature. Human nature, to, uh, and specifically human nature to be able to divide people. Um, from, a, from, from a system. So how, how much people discount, even in Bitcoin, mm. um, a, a, a system that cor uh, corrupts people as a, res a result and what people will do in that system scares yeah. me. Beautiful. One of your favorite sayings to me is, you said once, abundance of money means scarcity everywhere and scarcity of money drives abundance everywhere. I didn't get the last piece and I know some people don't but I'd like to hear in your words, I have a theory, but how would you explain the last piece of that? So, so where, are you, where technology is going? Um, and so I, I, I try to simplify this and the oxygen you breathe is free. Why is it free? Because it's abundant. abundant. Yeah. And, and essentially no, no entrepreneur can create value there because it's abundant. And so technology, what it does is it actually decreases the the cost of production to its marginal cost and that's a natural force and the marginal cost of production is moving closer to zero all the time with artificial intelligence and energy and everything else that's the, that's coming so that is the natural path which creates abundance everywhere hmm. if you don't have scarcity in money that abundance can't flow to society it, it gets taken by uh, by the abundance in money creating scarcity and everything else. So the the, the money allows that to, the scarcity in money, Bitcoin in this case, allows that to happen for society. Excellent. Okay, two last questions and a final fun question. So a ton of money is being invested in crypto. You and I both lived through the 1999.com bubble and ensuing <laughs> crash, etc. Do you see earmarks, telltale signs of any similarity here? In in crypto generally, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's but but yeah, I see your earmarks, telltale signs of that everywhere. Can it go on a lot longer if there's more printing? Absolutely. What's what's actually happening is you're creating a whole bunch of people who know. Like think about all the young people are to, are, are are getting rich in this too, and but the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to escape a system that they know is unjust. And they'll take huge bets and risk and everything else. And if they're on the right side of that bet, it looks like a casino um, that uh, they'll it, they'll win and they'll escape that system. But that's actually what's happening to society, and you can expect that to con continue until it yeah. doesn't. 
you know, the, like one of the crazy examples is Decentraland. It's valued at five and a quarter million dollars per user. Facebook is valued at $148 per user. A little mismatch there, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps, yeah. <laughs> so final serious question. And this is a hard one. So what is the one thing about Bitcoin that you believe in that few others do? It's, it's actually what we talked about, that scarcity and money drives prices uh, uh, down eventually to zero hmm. um, in, most, in, in, most interest, in most industries. What, uh, and they, because they're measuring a system from a system, so they can't, uh, they can't see that. But that scarcity drives deflation, which provides abundance. And it mean, what, it, what it means is we don't have to work as much. To be, to be our time is saved but but there's that's a hard thing to grasp because people are so captured to we need more more jobs yep excellent that was amazing and that kind of relates to our fishbowl example too yeah. system <laughs> timelines so fun question so if jeff were to abdicate his throne of bitcoin king of canada who, <laughs> who would you nominate to rule in your stead oh. Oh, there's so many good, uh, there's, uh, uh, Greg Foss, I'd have to say he's, he's, he's fantastic. Ben, um, uh, uh, is, 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 uh, great and, and pretty deep on this. Um, I, I'll forget, I'm forgetting names right now, but, uh, but, uh, but those would two would be, uh, John Vallis, those three would be among the top. Well, we'd like you to stay in your throne if you can and keep up the brilliant work for society as a whole. Jeff, this has been an absolute honor. Any final question for me at all? No, this has been an honor for me too. Thanks, yeah. thanks so much. It's been a I lot of fun. It. People really need to hear from you and you know, get off zero, everybody. Listen to the man <laughs> that knows. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Don't forget as well to follow Jeff on Twitter. And if you don't have a copy of his book, please get one. It's essential reading. It's the book of the century as far as I'm concerned. Thank you so much, Mr. Booth. Thanks. Thanks so much. Okay.